Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Jacob here. So, uh, this is um, Taylor Swift off base, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, she sent a letter, and we told you about this. She sent a letter to a guy named Jack Sweeney, who's a 22-year-old college student in Florida, and his thing is tracking her jet um, and posting online where the jet is. It's become a thing with Swifties and others to see where Taylor's going. So Taylor's lawyer sent Jack a cease and desist letter the other day saying, this amounts to stalking, you better stop or else. So um, you would think that that might dissuade somebody? <laughs> well, it didn't dissuade Jack because he's hitting Taylor back with his own legal letter. And honestly, it was the perfect comeback. He posted this two-page legal letter on his Twitter with the caption, look what you made me do, which is one of her famous lyrics. So he says, um, the Taylor Swift Jets account is engaged in protected speech that does not violate any of Miss Swift's legal rights. Your letter makes that clear by failing to identify any legal claim. Further, your letter's tone of alarm is unfounded. Our client's website provides the location of private jets using publicly available information. That information poses no threat to Miss Swift's safety. And I gotta say, I agree with Jack Sweeney's lawyer. He hit it right on the head when he said it's publicly available information. Therefore, a couple of things. Number one, he's not the only one with access to it. Jack Sweeney is. He's just simply compiling it and putting it out in a place where more people know to go and look for it. And number two, that's what it makes it protected speech. If things are publicly available, you're allowed to talk about them. He can't shut her up just because Taylor Swift doesn't like it. He could get her for he for, for stalking, but he'd have to commit hold some on, sort of an act. Hold on. Where is the stalking that he puts up? It, it, it's not like somebody's going to show up and intercept the jet at 30,000 feet. That's not stalking. And so, you know, where she ends up going, most of the time we already know. We knew she was going to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. We knew she was going to Australia. We know where she's going because these tour dates are not only public, they're sold out and ballyhooed by Taylor's own team. So where is this? Well, some people were, would look at this account when Taylor would go to Kansas City Chiefs games, which maybe she wanted to keep as a surprise. But that surprise but doesn't constitute stalking. It's like, <laughs> oh, agree. oh, you ruined my surprise. <laughs> That's not stalking. I, I know. I, listen, I agree with you. And also, to Jack's point, his lawyer, I thought, made, he wrote this in his letter, saying that Jack doesn't just follow Taylor Swift, but also follows Vladimir Putin, Russian oligarchs, Elon Musk, and no one seems to have a problem with that. You know, it's she she is so um, smart about the way she kind of develops in her public persona and manages it. She's just, to this, this totally overplays her hand. I don't think that they expected this 22-year-old kid to fight back. Right. I mean, they, I think that's exactly yeah, right. That, that, that the kid's going to get a letter, this college student's getting a letter from Taylor Swift's lawyer, and it's like, oh my God, I'll take it and, down. And instead he's saying, game on. Right. Yeah, th this is the best thing that ever happened to him, right? We now all know his name. It's from a household name. He has the ability, He's like uh, he said in his letter, he's doing this on behalf, uh, or not on behalf of, but he's uh, talking about the locations of a lot of celebrities, and people are now really interested. I bet he, his site traffic is blowing up because of what Taylor Swift did. You're and also pretty right. impressive for a college student. I feel like if you put this on a resume, I mean, it would definitely raise some eyebrows. Well, it's not, it's not super hard to do. I mean, this is publicly available stuff. I believe the FAA makes it available. So it's not like 
Einstein. It's a creative, it's a creative idea. It's creative, but he ain't Einstein. Hi, I'm Natty in Austin, Texas. Taylor should buy a tour bus, problem solved. Um, but we, what we have here is a, a individual's perceived safety versus the public interest. Fact is, fact is, like you said, Sweeney broke no laws. And there's an argument to be made that the comings and goings of a billionaire pop star is the public interest. I feel bad for her because of the safety issue, but this is the price of fame. Same for Elon. By the way, I don't see the safety issue here. I, I mean, I don't see, and I empathize with her real problems of stalking. I just don't see any safety issue that her jet happens to be 30,000 feet over the Atlantic. I guess it's giving maybe potentially dangerous people a heads up on where she, she could be. But most of the time, people know that. Most, anyway. Okay, we gotta move on. My mind is blown by this. So Kelly Rowland, we told you yesterday, Kelly Rowland walked out on the Today Show last Thursday. She was supposed to co-host with Hoda Kotb in the fourth hour of today. At the last minute, she booked it because uh, this is according to all reports, and she has not in any way uh, dismissed this or said it's not true. She didn't like the dressing room she got. And um, she was apparently particularly upset because one of the guests got a better dressing room than she got. Well, that may be true. The guest was Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> well, I guess now she's saying out with the Today Show and in with the Sherry Shepard Show because she showed up on the show today, posted about it, saying how great of a time she had, and that infuriated a lot of people who thought she was, t she was sliding Hoda Kotb and the Today Show. Well, so here's what happened between the two of them on the Sherry Shepard Show. I know that this is your show, uh -huh. but can we take just, I, I have to tell you, Thank you for being light, positive, energy in this space, oh, in yeah. this time. Thank we you. needed you, oh. and I thank you so much for your oh, life. Oh, Queen, I'm, thank you so much for that. Now, you, you gotta remember, she's promoting a movie, Mia Culpa, mm -hmm. and so the idea that she walked out on the Today Show, which had a massive audience where she could have promoted her show, and she books it out of there because she didn't like the dressing room. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, Hoda Kotb and Jenna Bush Hager were on the set today. Jenna was not there when all of this went down last week. I mean, I don't know why, they, they were very kind to Kelly Rowland. Did I miss anything? Um, I'm just, I just wanna say this. I have great love and admiration for Kelly Rowland. Mm -hmm. I adore her. And I want her to come back on our show and I She's want her to host again. Any of course time. she is. Of course she is. She's she can best. share my dressing room. We'll be in it together. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we do I just want to say that we love her. We've loved her on this show for many, many, many Remember years. Remember the first time yes. she was a guest and we both said, Can she please, please. host? Yes, with us? please. We adore her. So I'm starting to think that there's something more to this story. It, it can't just be over a simple like, oh, I don't like the dressing room. I, I suspect this might be personal, like truly, because for Kelly to go on to Sherry Shepard's show the very next day is sort of like spitting in the face of Hoda Kotb and all the other Today Show personnel, right? And I, I don't know exactly what's going on. I suspect more details will come out about this, but the fact that it, it's just so crazy and the fact that Hoda is so like apologetic and it's a little like cringeworthy in my opinion, but like I think something there's something deeper here. There has to be, because there's no way this was just over a simple like, oh, this dressing room sucks, it's too small. Like it's insane, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I think rationally, I would agree with you, but I don't. I disagree with you in terms of what actually happened, because 
This Sherry Shepard interview was booked, mm -hmm. not just yes. today. It was booked a long time ago before any of this happened. Mm -hmm. She's on a tour. As for the Today Show, um, you heard Hoda, and, and I didn't hear it until we just played it here, but Hoda mentioned dressing room there. So even yeah. so now I don't think we have to say allegedly because Hoda herself essentially just said it was over the but, dressing room. If, if you're Hoda, why even give this the time of day? I kind of agree with Fabian's point in that it does seem like it was a serious situation. If the Today Show felt the need to respond to all of this, they could have let it go like a million of others. Because stars. you know what it is? It's like corporately they get scared that they pissed off a celebrity and that other celebrities mm -hmm. may not come on. It's a whole thing. But honest to God, over a... Because Hoda said it, that it was over the dressing room. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, Harvey, you're and right. I'm if, buying it. If it is just the dressing room, let's just say that. If it is just over the simple dressing room, whatever, shame on Kelly Rowland, frankly. It's insane, and it's just... it's. Despicable. There's no really no other way to say it. It's it's crazy. It's cra I agree. It's crazy. Remember, Bethany Frankel responded to this too and said, "Oh, the dressing room at the Today Show is terrible. You have to eat croissants out of little plastic bags. It's like, oh, uh, I do that all the time." Well, no, no, no. She Welcome to the real no, world. No, 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 Kelly. But Bethany was not complaining. Bethany was saying it's awesome to be able to do it, and you don't expect to get a big dressing room. That's what she was saying. She was actually supporting the Today Show, and she got dragged because people said, "Oh, you're going after." After Kelly Rowland. Well, yeah, because it's insane to walk out <laughs> at the last minute because you don't like the dressing room. And no offense, you're a big star. Jennifer Lopez is one of the biggest stars. Yeah. And it's just the pecking order in Hollywood. Hi, my name is Imani McGill. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. In response to Kelly Rowland surprising Sherry Shepard with flowers, I do think that was a good gesture on her part, especially since she walked out of the Today Show last week because she considered her dressing room to be inadequate. Giving people their flowers and reminding them of how they positively make a better impact on the world is always a nice thing to do, especially if you feel like your actions have impacted others negatively. Well, here's, here's the thing about that. Um, let's talk about um, negative reactions. A negative reaction is walking out of being a co-host with five minutes to spare and screwing over the other people who are in the movie you're in because it's not getting promoted the way it should have been promoted. So it's Kelly's fault. I'm sorry. It is Kelly's fault. We're excited to have Donnell Rawlings on. We just love this guy uh, over at TMZ for many, many, many years. Uh, so um, we're going to talk about his awesome Netflix special, which is about to drop next week. But before we do, something happened the other day at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. It's one of the big comedy places in the city. And Donnell was there. Uh, with somebody else. Yes, he was there with uh, watching Corey Holcomb perform stand-up comedy, and Corey made some remarks that Donnell did not like. He was going after Dave Chappelle, of course, a close friend of Donnell's, and was also making some personal attacks as well. So we should say that one of the things that seemed to trigger Donnell, and we're going to talk to him live in a minute, was that Corey said some ridiculous thing that anybody who's had three more than three movie roles um, has performed fellatio um, on somebody in the production staff to get the job or something like that. So that was what was said, and then here's what happened. You mouth off my mild, M-I-L-D. This is the laugh factory. If we was at the Savoy, you wouldn't be able to be up here that long. Get your whole ass down. I catch up in the hardest groups and 
the spicy comic um, on live here today. We have Donnell. Donnell, welcome back to TMZ Live. Well, thanks for having me. First off, I think comedy comedians nowadays, they're trying to sell controversy over comedy. February the 27th, the new day, I'm going to show people what being funny is about. I was there also. I wasn't there to watch Corey. I had performed myself, and I was about to leave, and they announced that Corey's about to perform. And I know that he had said some ill things about Dave Chappelle. I know he said some ill things about some of the openers of Dave Chappelle. So I just sat there, wanted just to see what his take on what he felt about comedy or whatever. I sat there and I sat there and I just waited. And then when he made the comment about that anybody that's done three movies in comedy has performed fellatio, um, I said, wait a minute, I've done three movies, right? And I've never been accused of that. And then I also fact-checked his IMBD and Corey himself has done four movies, so I don't think, I think he might be guilty of his own joke. It's unfortunate it came to this. Should I have yelled out at him? No. But, you know, I'm a very, you know, I've been rocking with my guy Dave Chappelle for years. I'm a little guy to my friends, my fans, and my family. And it was just, for me, it was a buildup. It was a buildup off of a lot of things that's troubling comedy. For To put the narrative out there that the only way you can make it in Hollywood is to perform or do sexual favors and all this stuff. I got to debunk that. I don't believe that. And we have to focus on maybe somebody got three movie, movies. Maybe I had an opportunity to work with Dave Chappelle. Maybe I had an opportunity to work with Netflix because of my talent, because I put in the work. I think it's lazy just to say that the only way somebody could make it in Hollywood is being a part of the casting couch. I always thought that Corey Holcomb was very interesting comedy a comic, I respect any comic that can stand their truth. I respect any, Corey is the type of comic, he can go on stage, start with grunts, and by the end of it, you're laughing hysterically. I did not want to scream out at him, but I felt like protecting the integrity of myself and my friends, I thought I had to say something. And I thought I had to say something for people out here that have done over three movies. Okay, well, um, we wanted to get your take on it, and it was strong and clear, so thank you. Um, but I'm going to tell you something, Harvey. You might not know this. I know you're not familiar with culture. In the comedy world, the, when someone says you're not funny, that is the N-word for comedians, all right? I just want to let you know. That is the word that will have people going bonkers. And to question a 30-year career and to say that I'm not deserving of what I got, like he made a point. He said, uh, Donnell, Dave Chappelle put you on. I said, no, I put myself on. Dave acknowledged me and Dave and Netflix gave me the platform to see what I've been doing for years. So Dave is executive producing it. Tell us about the special. And I think it drops, what, Tuesday? I'm excited about this. The funny thing about the special, I shot a special two years ago. We did it at the heel of the pandemic. So we had to deal with like protocol for um, for uh, for COVID and everything. We did this special. I got a standing O. I chest bumped Stan Lathan. Shout out to Stan Lathan, Ricky, 
and um, Dave Chappelle. I did a chest bump. I think we got in the can. A month later, when we already announced, Earthquake had announced that he's doing his, we're going to announce that mine coming out. Dave calls me. He says, Donnell, I want to reshoot your special. One of the most insulting things you can say to a comedian, because the first thing you assume is it wasn't funny. I said, how do I go from fist bumping, ready to party, to you want to do it again? Dave said, Donnell, by all means, you're one of the funniest guys I know. I can put you in front of any room and you will rip the room. He said, but it doesn't make it a great special. So I had to deal with constructive criticism. So I had to regroup. A year later, we're in Napa Valley. He's standing beside Ricky Hughes, who is this producer, and Dave records all his shows for whatever reason. He looked at Ricky, unannounced, he said, Ricky, how many cameras do we have? Uh, she said, five. He said, Donnell, do you want to shoot your special? I said, when? He said, tomorrow. I'm like, what? I'm not ready. But I manned up. I got my suit. I'm trying to change. And we did it. We shot it with nobody knowing, which I liked about it. I didn't have to worry about putting nobody on my guest list or anything. We did it. A month later, this dude comes and says, I want to do it again. I'm like, what the hell? He said, I didn't like the production. I'm like, you are the producer. <laughs> <laughs> Get your stuff together, Dave. So wait a minute, you've done, you did it three times? We brought the cameras in November the 9th. This was, they say, third time is a charm. And I'm saying, I had to be uh, mature enough to understand what he was saying. The special feels fun. It's not me bashing another comic. It's not me talking down. It's not me doing any of that. It's just somebody that's evolved. And the title is A New Day. And in the words of Nina, Nina Simone, it's a new day. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting by, you know how I feel. It's a new day, it's a new dawn, it's a new life for me and Harvey. I'm feeling good. I love that. Danielle, we love you. The only the, the only thing is, is that I just don't like the camera angle with you right now. Could we do this interview again? <laughs> oh, don't, no, you're so, you're a hater. You're a hater. You are a hater, bro. You and Dave Chappelle, go to hell. Okay. Well, uh, look, we got to talk about the special. It's Chappelle's home team, Danielle Rawlings, A New Day, February 27th. That's next week on Netflix. Hey, man, I, I mean this so sincerely. Congratulations. You deserve this, and it's awesome, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait for you to see it. Dave Chappelle said... It is our job to make the world laugh in the hardest times. Let's get back to the laughers. Laughter, jokes only. Okay, man. We are so thrilled for you. Congrats. Thank you, Harvey. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, he's great, by the he's way. He's the he best. Such I a, love that. He is so funny. I love the guy. So, Billie Eilish went after TikTokers while at the People's Choice Awards, and now the TikTokers are coming for Billie. But first, let's show you some of the sound from Billie on Sunday night. So, as you can see, Billie, not happy to have the TikTokers there. I guess is, TikTokers by the way, cool. Ridiculous to, at the People's Choice Awards. Well, I kind of get what she means, because honestly, some of these kids are a little bit annoying. And I could say that as a as a Gen Zer here, but so regardless. How, so how many followers do these people have, for example? Well, uh, a lot. They do. They are pretty popular. I'll give them that. And one of those people. TikTok is the future, by the way. It's also, it's also the now, but whatever. Right. Uh, anyways, Bryce Hall, one of the biggest TikTokers in the world. He has over 20 million followers, and he too was at the People's Choice Awards. He saw this clip and definitely had some strong words for Billy. Here's what he had to say. First off, Billie Eilish, I am so sorry uh, that I didn't acknowledge your greatness and bow down to you being another human being. I, I, here, there it is right now. And second, um, People's Choice invited us personally. 
Uh, everyone that attended People's Choice and was sitting at those tables, we were invited by People's Choice. So hate on them. But the most sad thing, let me just wipe my tear real quick. The most sad thing is what I, I was a I was a Billie Eilish stan. I stand you, Billie Eilish. And now I don't think I can renegade to uh, any of your, your songs anymore. Uh, okay, the Gen Z verbiage kind of throws you off. But he's got a point when he says that, you know, People's Choice, they were the ones that brought them there. And that's because the people are choosing for them to be there. Look, TikTokers are the new reality stars. You guys remember 10 plus years ago, people did not want to accept reality stars. It was kind of weird. They were showing up at award shows. Famous actors and musicians didn't really accept them. So, Carvey, you say it's the future. Possibly. You know, they can make a future out of it. But a lot of people do feel it's kind of like, you know, just a flash. Well, no, but here's why I'm saying Here's why I'm saying it. Number one, if you watched the Johnny and Amber trial, that was dominated by TikTok. And I think that because of that, that is gonna be the way millions and millions and millions of people consume news. And I would have thought maybe somebody 50 years old would have said what Billie Eilish said, but Billie Eilish is barely 21. If you're running the People's Choice Awards, if you're the producer of that show, you want eyeballs. You want people to watch. You want young people to watch. And where do you go for young people? Well, you don't go to a 60-year-old. <laughs> you go to TikTokers and people who have millions and millions of views like Bryce Hall and others. And the idea that, you know, Billy is too young to have that kind of an old perspective on things. And she knows what's popular. And my guess is she's on TikTok. So it doesn't make sense to me. Sharon, Dayton, Ohio. Billy was being real. She's forever 17. That's just who she is. And I bet this Bryce guy will be listening to her next track, just waiting for her to diss TikTokers. It gives them something to talk about. It's playful. Yeah, he may listen, but this was not a great comment uh, by Billie Eilish, I think. It's just very, I mean, I, I, the word that comes to mind is elitist. You know, mm. it's not, this should be egalitarian <laughs> and not elitist. I mean, it just should be because that's the, that's the People's Choice Awards. The idea is the people. She's also having a private conversation well, here. That's She's not posting about it on social media, so I think we should give her a little grace Less, for that. Lesson learned on that. Okay, um, real quick. So Travis and Jason Kelsey uh, have addressed uh, what happened in Kansas City after the Super Bowl parade last week with the shooting. Um, we hadn't heard from them yet. Uh, this is a preview from their podcast, uh, which drops today, and they squarely talked about it. Attention, 92 percenters. We um, we have a pre-recorded episode for you guys coming up on Wednesday. But um, after the tragic events of the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City, um, it didn't feel right without you guys hearing from us first. We just wanted to say, you know, our hearts go out to all of the victims, their families, Chiefs Kingdom, and really all of Kansas City uh, that was really there on a day to try and celebrate the community. We'll share a link to donate to the Chief's Emergency Response Fund in our bio. Your donation goes to supporting victims and their families, um, violence prevention, and uh, mental health services, and the first responders. 92% as we appreciate you. Kansas City and Chiefs Kingdom, we love you guys. We're with you guys, um, and we'll see you guys soon. Look, Travis loves these people. He doesn't just live in Kansas City during the season. 
those are his people, the Kansas City community, and I think he actually does deeply care about them. Obviously, he made the $100,000 donation already. And if you listen to the rest of what they said on the podcast, uh, they're trying to figure out other ways that not just the Kelsey uh, boys, but also the uh, fans of the show can, can help as well. So, Okay, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, Elon Musk has done something that I got to say could transform humanity. And I'm not overstating it, at least in my head. What you are about to hear, what a man who lost the use of his limbs is able to do based on a device that Elon invented, it is breathtaking. It's also scary to project where this is all going. We're gonna get into that when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live, Harvey and Jacob here. I, I gotta tell you, this is something that, you know, people say, oh, it keeps me up at night and people just kind of say that. This literally keeps me up at night because I'm so fascinated by it. Neuralink. Elon Musk has created this chip that you can implant in somebody's brain. And the initial idea is that you can possibly cure paralysis, you could cure epilepsy, you could do remarkable things with it. But it also, going forward, and Elon's talked about this, it could end up where you, this chip could give you Google in your brain. And I have always thought, my God, what if it becomes so sophisticated that you could, I could read your thoughts? And I, I know that sounds That, that sounds like a science fiction it sounds movie. Like, no, no. And frankly, one I don't want to live in. Well, here's the thing. You may be living in it because to me it was all kind of theoretical until Elon has planted one of these Neuralink chips in the brain of a person who lost use of his limbs. And he has a progress report, and the progress report is stunning. Progress is good. Patient seems to have made a full recovery, neural effects that we're aware of, and is able to control the mouse, move the mouse around the screen just by thinking. So we're, we're trying to get as many button presses as possible from thinking. So that's what we're currently working on is, you know, can you get left mouse, right mouse, so we're trying to make progress on that front, but overall it's looking, looking very good. It's so weird because I swear to you, I literally spend time when I'm going to sleep thinking about this. What would happen if I could read your mind, you could read my mind? Because I think ultimately that is a threat to civilization because everybody sometimes has negative thoughts about a person that they are with, their partner, their mm -hmm. friends, their job. And if you can read every thought, how are you gonna have a relationship? Yeah, would that be better for the world? I feel like it would tear us apart even more. Well, but the thing is, what he's doing now is really useful, but when he said that this person could control the mouse with thoughts, it goes down that road. Here's the problem too. How do you separate the therapeutic benefits for paralysis and epilepsy? Those are great things, but once the genie's out of the bottle, all those nightmarish, dystopian science fiction novels come to life, and that's what I'm worried about. I don't think Elon Musk is a reasonable steward of this kind of technology, not at least by the way he behaves on X. Well, Absolutely. wait a 100%. No, that's what I believe, 100%. Harvey. That's I mean, this fair. is a guy you're entrusting with something that could alter the course of civilization. If our entire existence is mediated and you can read other people's 
people's thoughts. You want Elon controlling that? Hey guys, Lee Jackson, Vancouver, BC. Um, you guys are right. You know, you hit it on the head that this could open up a whole bunch of other stuff for the world that could do bad. But man, Elon Musk, say what you say about him, but yeah, he's brilliant. This dude's doing things that most scientists couldn't come up with or couldn't even think about. So we got to give him his props on that. But like, like it or not, man, this is the way of the world. It's about to go. Uh, it's about to go this way. So get on board. Yeah, true that. Uh, okay, Tom Sandoval, this is just nuts. Vanderpump Rules, you know about the Scandoval that he was dating Raquel uh, behind Ariana's back and he was living with Ariana, blah, 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 blah. And it became a big deal. It was a big deal. How big a deal? He has now talked to the New York Times about how big a deal it is and what he is comparing Scandoval to. And this is just ridiculous. So Tom says, I'm not a pop culture historian, really, but I witnessed the O.J. Simpson thing and George Floyd and all these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way it's a little bit the same? Uh, the answer is no. But he goes on to say, I feel like I got more hate than Danny Masterson, and he's a convicted rapist. Okay, I don't know about the last part. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. As for comparing the scandal to George Floyd is insulting, and uh, to compare yeah. it to O.J. Simpson, well, I can speak to that because I cover that case every day, and I can tell him he's delusional on that. Um, and I don't even know if he was alive. I mean, he must have been alive, but he certainly wasn't in the mix during the O.J. Simpson case. There's no comparison. And tons of people online, Harvey, agree with you. Just reading through the comments on this post, I mean, even Bravo stars are coming after him. One of them, uh, a Miami housewife who happens to be black, says this is absolutely repulsive, his comments. She's demanding uh, he retract it and issue a public apology. So I have not seen one positive comment, obviously, rightfully so. He is getting slammed for this piece. I think he thought like, oh, I got this amazing spread in the New York Times. It was a very long article, but the, these comments specifically are really screwing him over. Get him out of here. I mean, how insulting is this? Like, it's just and what's so funny about this is he's trying to do this interview to portray himself as a victim in all this and yeah. to have people gain sympathy from him. And it's the most tone deaf well, comments no, no, no. imaginable. It's, it's part of it is to paint himself as a victim and part of it is to paint himself as a celebrity icon. That he is so big <laughs> that it compares to two things that have no basis for comparison. Yeah, it's it's beyond insulting. And honestly, Bravo should just get rid of him. Hi, my name is Raymond Costa from Atlanta, Georgia. And I think Tom's comments are way insensitive. I mean, when you're talking about like OJ Simpson and George Floyd, I mean, that those those situations are very serious situations. I mean, we talk about injustice and you know, someone getting murdered and killed. I mean, it's very incest. I mean, these these situations have nothing to do with him and and what he's doing. I think it, I think it's outrageous for him to even um, compare his story to these things, especially Joy Ford that lost his life. You know, a cop kneeling on his neck. I mean, you can't compare right. anything yeah. like that. To it's insulting. So, um, you know, there have been a lot of documentaries that um, families have produced for famous people who have since died. And a lot of these documentaries just whitewash everything. That, you know, everybody has a life where there's good and there's bad, difficulties, triumphs, but a lot of them are just focusing on the good. And it doesn't really paint a picture of the real person. There is a documentary that has just dropped, a two-parter on A&E called James Brown, 
Say It Loud, which is produced in part by his family. And, um, and this does not just focus on the good side of James Brown, and there is a lot of it. This guy transformed music and has had an influence on huge stars to this very day. But there are also problems that he had in his life, difficulties, and they get into that as well, which really makes this unique. So uh, James Brown's daughter, Deanna, is going to join us right now uh, to talk about uh, what has become a real passion project for her and many others who participated. Deanna, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about that. I, I'm fascinated by the fact that you wanted to paint this 360 picture of your dad. Yes, and you know, you said it. It's like it, a lot of times you hear about all the good, and that's great, but the good is not really what kind of propels you and make you who you are. A lot of times it is the bad, the flaws and the faults that you have. So yes, we wanted to make sure that you you saw the whole James Brown. You know he can split, you know he can dance, you know he's the most sampled artist through hip hop still to this day. But you may have not have known him as a father and as a husband and just, you know, being a black man in America. As a matter of fact, being called the most important black man in America on Look Magazine in 1969. So this is an opportunity for the young generation to see a birth of James Brown so they can learn about a man that they just know through maybe the beats, you know, and or just maybe through watching, you know, different artists do him like your James, like, like do the James Brown with Usher and Michael. So we're thankful to Mr. Mick Jagger and we're thankful to Quest Love and Black Thought and everybody who put their hands in this so that fans like yourself can see the real James Brown. That's great. Well, beyond being a musician, James Brown was also a businessman, a cultural icon, a leader of African-American rights. I'm curious, is there anyone that you look at in today's music industry that reminds you of your dad? Wow. Um, you know, with you saying that, he, you're right. He was more than just music. It was his greatness. It was his business acumen. It was um, just the way that he handled his business. When you were on the stage, everybody had to do what you needed to do or you got fined. $50 a pop, $50 a bad note, $50 of this, $50 of that. So his thing was very tight. I, I don't know who could be doing it that way, but if they are, they're going to be very successful. But that is interesting that, you know, you try to think of top of mind who that person is. And it's really difficult. I mean, I, I don't know whether that's just a function of the world we live in or what, but it is hard to think of people as impactful, and, and, and not just impactful at the moment, but impactful for decades, um, for decades, because James Brown, help me out here, the 50s is when he started, I believe? Yes, 1956 was his first hit, please, please, please. Yep. and. We're, you know, that's six years after I was born, <laughs> and he's still unique. So it really is kind of a testament to the staying power of a man who has long since passed. Yes, and to see him still in the artists that you see today, as well as these young kids. I founded the James Brown Academy of Music Pupils, and we teach kids music and instruments and how to play instruments and music theory. And these kids, some of the, these kids wasn't even born. They wasn't even alive when my dad was alive. Their parents were. 
but you see them learning how to play music based on my father's music. That to me, it, it begins to go into a whole different level. Well, it sounds fantastic. It's called James Brown Say It Loud. It is on A&E. The first episode dropped last night. The second is on tonight. Deanna, we so appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me and stay on the good foot. And by, <laughs> and by the way, congratulations. This is really an achievement. Thank you. Adele um, has addressed why she was such a sourpuss at the All-Star Game in 2022. Remember this video? She does not look happy. There was a camera crew that was shooting her at the game. She is sitting on the floor. Her significant other, Rich Paul, is there, and she addressed it squarely. I gotta say, huh, this is not great, what she's saying. Do you remember that viral meme of me looking like I don't give a So I know it sounds crazy, but I really don't like being famous. The people with the camera came and asked me twice. They're like, do you, do you mind if we film you? Can we put you on the screen? I said, please don't. Please don't, I'll just cancel Vegas. I really don't want to, you know, I really don't want to. They, they came back and they filmed me. So I had, and the reason my lips looked like I had filler, because I've got naturally big lips, right? I don't need filler. The reason I looked like a different person was because I was sulking, because I was like, these I mean, Adele, she does a lot of talking during this residency. I feel like every week, which I feel like the fans that go probably like, because every week there's a different headline about like she gets into, you know, something in her personal life or something that was in the news. But I know, Harvey, you're super upset about this, but after watching this again, the guy asked her twice if she wanted to be filmed. She said no, and they did anyway. No, I like kind of shame on them. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Devin. I think honestly, if someone says no, no means no. No, I, don't film me. I get it, and that part I get. But she also said, "I just don't like being famous." The other thing is, Adele, you are sitting on the floor at the All Star Game <laughs> with Rich Paul, who is managing or partners with LeBron James. And what do you expect? I mean, people on the floor get photographed. It's the drill. Usually they don't even ask, which kind of surprised me. But when she goes there and she is on the floor and she is a big celebrity and she is with Rich Paul, who is connected to LeBron James <laughs> at the All-Star Game, I mean, duh, you're gonna get you're gonna get video. Game. I mean, I hear you, Harvey, but also maybe she just really loves basketball and was there to just enjoy the game. Like you said, she was there with her significant other. And again, they asked her twice I know. if she wanted to be filmed. She said no, but yeah, I hear you. Maybe she should have been up in like a suite then. If yeah, she didn't want I mean, to go. Filmed. you know, you don't have to be on the floor. And, and look, I get it that they asked her and it's kind of a crappy thing to do. But when you go and you're on the floor and you're a big celebrity like her, it comes with the territory. It comes with the territory. Hey, TMZ, Jason from Chicago. Um, I just want to say shout out Adele for taking that stand and saying she hates being famous. And frankly, I wish more celebrities would follow her lead on that because when I watch a game, I don't care if Jay-Z and Beyonce are sitting courtside. And it, for me, it's less celebrities, more sports, unless it's Taylor. Unless it's Taylor. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, you, you, cut, you hedged your bet there. So Dakota Johnson starred in Madam Web, and if you didn't see it, 
trust me, you're not alone. Almost no one saw it. It was a disaster. And a lot of people think, oh my God, you know, this could ruin her career because she has had, she, well, she struggled well, with, yeah. with, with it, movies. Well, she, she struggled. It, well, anyways, so the movie's not doing great, but wanna know what's a good way to make yourself feel a little bit better? Mexico. With Chris Martin, her boyfriend. By the way, a lot of people were wondering if they were still together. Well, clearly they are. And she does not look bothered at all, I gotta say. She looks good, by the way. She looks amazing. And by the way, if your movie doesn't go too well, wanna know what's a good consolation prize? Chris Martin. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's the... I mean, hey, it's not like she's completely losing. Okay. She's dating Chris Martin. Okay. Uh, when dating doesn't go so well, by the way, we have a documentary that aired on Fox last night. It's called TMZ Investigates Kevin Costner's Divorce War. We really dig into what happened here. You know that his now ex-wife, Christine Baumgartner, wanted almost a quarter million dollars a month in child support. We get into why she wanted that. We get into all of the allegations surrounding the divorce. And we get into whether prenups are really worth the paper they're written on. That is on Hulu right now if you want to watch it, and we will see you tomorrow.